Welcome to the Bare Naked ABCs, where we review every Bare Naked Ladies song from 7 to Y. And no, we are not going out of order this week. The song is spelled phonetically, so we can still start <laughs> with 7. <laughs> we skipped 4 until today. I just wanted to say thank you to my co-host for Aaron for not being here. Um, <laughs> he's going to save us a few seconds about talking about it this week. <laughs> so uh, probably about four seconds. It's probably about all he'll save us. So my guess for this week, since we don't have Aaron or Michelle, actually, we were planning on, let me go back. We were planning on having Jeff with us this week anyways, but now it's just Jeff and I this week, and we will have Aaron and Michelle's audio later on. So my guest for this week is Jeff Whitmire. Hey everyone, how you doing? Oh, sorry. And about four seconds is about how long his new album has been out on the market, but it has already made it onto iTunes. Congratulations. Thank you. So this is actually, it's a really great album, and I have to say one of my favorite songs on it is definitely Suddenly Star Wars. All right. <laughs> and I love how you have, so on your video on YouTube, you have it like you are dressed in two different sets of clothing and you're singing against yourself. But on the album, you actually have a guest come in, a, a lady come in that sings the opposing viewpoints on that song. Uh, and now what's her name? Uh, that is Melissa Lewis, uh, a good friend of mine. Um, Melissa did backing vocals on uh, Tickets for Weird Out in Sarasota, um, Cheese and Rice, and The Laundry Song. So she's, she's on the album quite a bit. I was supposed to have somebody else doing the duet part of that song, um, and that fell through. So in the last minute pinch to get the album out, I'm like, you, you've got it. Can, can you do this? Can you come in and uh, do the vocals on this? And she came in and just uh, swung for the fence and just nailed it. Oh, she, she so she does a great impression of, and this is where I'm looking up as we're talking, uh, that does the, the female lead of Audrey. She does an amazing Ellen Green impression, um, even if she's not trying to. Like, it just, it comes off beautifully. Yes. Yeah, she nailed it. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Um, and, of course, the Walmart song is, is wonderful as well. That, so you also did a parody <laughs> talking about Walmart based on the Bonnie Tyler hit, Total Eclipse of the Heart. Right, yes. Um, uh, I came up with the idea for that song about a year ago, actually, uh, around the time my son was born. Uh, before I even knew I was going to be doing an album, I was kind of uh, uh, coming up with some of the lines for that one. And uh, at the time, you know, didn't know I was going to have an album. had no idea how complex that song was going to be to do. Uh, so it just kind of sat in the back burner until, you know, well into the production process of the album. I said, I really want to do that song. I think it's going to work. Um, again, another song where I brought in some friends to help out because there was no way I was going to be able to pull off those notes. <laughs> um, so, so a friend of mine, uh, stepped in to do it, uh, Matricula, um, did a lot of the, the lines on that and just nailed them, but we were having a lot of audio problems. And again, we were in a pinch. Uh, I was going to be attending an event called Fun Fest in Chicago in August, and I wanted the album out by then, so um, it turned out she was at a convention the weekend or the, a couple weekends before I was going to get everything over to production and master and all that, so I, I called another friend of mine in, a, in another panic, just like Melissa, and I said, hey, can you, can you do this song? And, uh, you know, at least do some fill-ins of the parts we're having audio trouble with. And she did it and just nailed it. That was Tina Tina Erickson. 
And uh, she did her part, and I, I sent them both over to my producer, and I said, what do we do here? You know, we got two really cool parts. We're just having audio problems. He's like, let me see. He's like, I think we can do this and use both her vocals. I said, all right, well, let's see what you got. Meanwhile, I'm trying those insane backing vocals. All the backing oh. vocals in that song are me. And uh, I'm so I'm working on that, and, and uh, uh, my wife always likes to say that she, she doesn't mind listen to, listening to me record the album. It's listening to me recording the backing vocals that's really boring. <laughs> and because uh, it's literally just me downstairs. I have headphones on. It's me going, ooh, you know, just uh, like for three hours. And uh, so this, and uh, we're back and forth on this. And he comes and he says, I think we can use both of them. Let me try and mix them, splice them, give me the backing. And uh, yeah, that was probably the hardest song in the album, ultimately, to do. Um, but I really, really love the way it turned out. Um, and uh, kind of slipping back into suddenly Star Wars, um, that was one song where I did uh, on YouTube be again before I knew I was going to do an album. And when it came time to do the album, um, uh, a lot of people said if there's one song that you have to put on, it has to be that one. And uh, oh. so, and I knew I knew that I I knew that I had to do it uh, the way it was written, which was male female duet. Um, as as fun as it was to do that video. Um, <laughs> Kind of like Fangirl. On Fangirl, I'm dressed up in five different outfits, uh, five different t-shirts. Um, but yeah, so uh, so both those songs are definitely two of my babies on the, on, the, on the album. Oh, and it works so well. It, both of them work very, very well, and they're a lot of fun to listen to. And they're you can sing right along with them. So very singable is what I'm what what I was going for. Yes. Well, good because you hit it. Earworms, <laughs> going for the earworm. Speaking of earworms. Speak. This week's <laughs> that was <song>. a segue. <laughs> <laughs> Perfectly perfect segue. Thank you. you. Let me let me read into that. Agreed. I, I totally agree. This week's song, four seconds, <laughs> is definitely an earworm. Goes to show not what you know, but who you know, so's you know. I can go flow, build and row, then throw the snow for the show, stay low. Play it on a dobro, oh, I tiptoe to and fro from Ontario. My stereo's blue like the rodeo, growing like a freak show, free throw. It's just this the intro. is from All in Good Time. It was not written just solely by Ed. Ed wrote this with Ian Lafave. Yep, Lafave. I got it right first try. Is it is it Lafave? Lafovre? Lafave? I have it written down phonetically, and I still am getting it wrong. You probably had it right. <laughs> <laughs> and this song is interesting out of all the others. Well, first, let me back up. So this song is the only other song written by him and Ed together other than Blacking Out, which we've already covered. Right. This song is interesting because this is one of the few songs where we actually have Tyler as a lead singer for the the choruses. Right. So it's really fun to kind of hear him getting out there and singing a song. There are several takes of this. Other than just in the all-good time, there's a lot of concert takes that you can find online. And then there's also the Bare Naked Ladies and the Persuasions version. Uh, I'm not sure if you got a chance to listen to that one this week. I did, yeah. Okay, good. Because uh, yeah. I want to talk a little bit about that and the differences with that. Send it over to Aaron real quick and have him give us a quick breakdown of the song. All right, let's break it down. Break down, break down, break down. Aaron's going to talk about construction and time. Four seconds was recorded at exactly 109 beats per minute. It seems to have electronic drums, or at least quantized drums. It's very precise. It is in the key of B-flat minor, 
I like the song a lot. It's bombastic. It's got a lot of frenetic energy. The counting, one Mississippi, two, three, four, calls to mind the idea of stopping and counting to ten when you're angry, which kind of fits the energy of the song. Here's the structure. You have verse one, which is your A section, and that's really just B flat occasionally hitting F, so the one to the five. That's it. It pretty much sits in B flat, sometimes bounces down to the five and goes back up, or bounces up and goes back down. Uh, verse 2, of course, is also A. Your chorus, your B section is where it gets a little more interesting. B flat, E flat, D flat, F, B flat. So you have uh, 1, 4, 3, 5, 1. Or it's possibly going B flat, D flat, E flat, D flat, F, B flat. So 1, 3, 1, 4, 3, 5, 1. When it goes, I've been away for years and a day. That's your chorus, your B section. Uh, so you have verse, verse, chorus, verse 3, chorus, Another verse, uh, that's the orange door hinge verse. <laughs> uh, then a chorus, and then your outro, which is really just the A section. So it's A, A, B, A, B, A, B, A. There's no bridge per se. Thank you, Aaron, for that wonderful and insightful breakdown. So what are your thoughts on this song, Jeff? Okay, well, I can tell you my thoughts on the song uh, musically and, and lyrically and what I like about it. That would and, be wonderful. Uh and not much what I don't like about it. And then I can tell you what I think I realized about this song literally four minutes before we started this podcast. Four minutes. Um, <laughs> not four seconds. Four minutes. Four minutes. No, it was four. Well, four, we'll say four seconds. We'll oh, okay. Um, no, no, no. Something just hit me about this. And, and I could be dead wrong, but I, I don't think I am. I love this song. As we mentioned, it's, it's an earworm. And uh, to me, this is this is a very non-B&L song. Yes. Uh, it. It doesn't sound like a BNL song. It's it's very unique, very different, and not just because Tyler is you know doing uh, as much vocally as he does. Um, no, this it is but, significantly <clears throat> different audially as well audiologically audioly audiologically <laughs> <laughs> whatever the right word Oddly. here would be. <laughs> um, it, it, it sounds different lyrically. Lyrically, it's Ed. Like this is totally an end oh, yeah, thing. Yeah. But in terms of the sound of the song, this is like the 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 experimental Beatles era type thing. Right. Right. And and yeah, yeah. Um I mean just what they experiment with uh sound wise, um, with the the crazy percussion, which makes sense that they would have some really crazy percussion on this. Uh especially during the chorus where Tyler's shining. That make you know, I get that. You know, just kind of the the use of the sounds in there during the uh, the close encounters line. Of course, you hear the uh, oh. the haunting ooh. You know that comes up in there. Right. I'd love to know if that um, was a theremin or if that was just Kevin playing around on the keyboards. And they're like, keep it. Yeah. <laughs> Kevin's like, let me try this. And they're like, yeah, stick the. Yeah, just do that. Yeah, keep that in there. <laughs> <laughs> Completely unplanned. And uh, um, lyrically, the song is brilliant. It's a, a, a lyricist dream, actually, because of the, the use of the rhyme scheme that they play with there. You know, the first verse is how many O rhymes can we come up with? Right. And still and still make it make sense. You know, even that sneaking of the note in there. But, you know, you get that, that tiptoe to and fro from Ontario. My stereo's blue like a rodeo, growing like a freak show, free throw. The fast-paced, we didn't start the fire, uh, end of the world as we know it kind of thing going on there. Definitely the second verse, which gets, they, they slide into the now rewind. You know, what do we have in mind? Could we unwind? I'm fine. Could we have a streamline? You know, just 
what they come up with to to do that lyrically and still have it make sense. And honestly, when I first heard the song, uh, first couple times, I'm like, it's nonsense words. There's there is no meaning behind this song. I'm uh, glad that I'm not the only one that was confused at first, at least. Do you have a theory behind the song, by the way? I'm curious. I don't. So the only thing that I can give you what I learned off just the first verse. Um, okay. And that first verse, like is what you, like, what you, what you've learned from the band, or well, yeah, because the first verse of the song is, even though it sounds like it's nonsense, it's not. It's it's Ed actually giving out a lot of information about himself once you listen to the words and like go back and kind of look at what the band is and what he's really trying to say there. He he's basically trying to tell us his style. Okay. So it's not really nonsense words. So he's trying to say like it, business is really really important to not just like being good. You have to know people, and you have to right. get out there and and you have to throw yourself out there. Try as hard as you can, but even if you try as hard as you can, you still might not make it unless you find the right people. Right. But he's also talking about his style. So he talks about Flo Bill Monroe. So Bill Monroe is a bluegrass singer, which. I mean, Ed is very much bluegrass, but he's not just a bluegrass singer. He's the creator of bluegrass. Um, matter of fact, he's known as the father of bluegrass, but the reason bluegrass music is called what it is, is it takes its name actually from Bill Monroe's band name, the Bluegrass Boys um, from Kentucky. Um, he was a long, long time bluegrass player, 69 years as a singer and, and instrumentalist and composer. So... I will be posting on, on our page, like, the Wikipedia about this man, because I just can't sit here all day doing that. This is someone that fundamentally affected Ed, um, and we can hear that throughout all the music. Like, he, he goes back to bluegrass quite a bit. But then he's also said, so the next verse after that is, then throw to snow. So he goes from bluegrass to rap, and we know this about about him anyways like snow is a rapper canadian rapper one of the only canadian rappers that really ever made it big with a song his known i'm sure as you know jeff as for his 1992 single informer um which was epic number one for seven weeks on the billboard so like he's he's given us his range bill monroe all the way to rap and then during the, the show, he's like, I can just stay low and kind of chill and relax and play it on my dobro. Dobro is a type of guitar. Right. Uh, it's an American resonator guitar currently owned by, by Gibson. And then he's, so the next part is, oh, I can tiptoe to and fro from Ontario. So he's like, oh, I can go anywhere, but this is where I'm from. And then my stereo is blue like, a ro- like the rodeo. I had to play with that one for a little bit to figure that one out. I think there's a number of different things that ha- that are blue, like the company Blue makes the Yeti microphones and headphones. I'm like, nah, that's not quite it. Uh, the Blue Network is an on-air name of an of a radio network that was around for a long time. I don't think that's it. But Blue Sound is a company that makes stereo speakers for digital media. They started up about the same time, like two or three years before this album came out, and it's. It's speakers and audio media made by audiophiles for audiophiles. Blue Rodeo is one of Canada's most iconic bands. It's a country rock band that was formed in 1984 that was from Ontario, uh, Toronto, Ontario, which would have been a very formative again for Ed. So I, I think that that line of my stereo is blue like the rodeo, I think that's what he's saying there. 
He's giving us an idea of like, okay, I'm really into audio stuff. I'm really into the new stuff, but I'm also really into the old stuff. What do you think? All right. That definitely makes a lot of sense to me and definitely sits with the lyrics and, uh, you know, talks about the flow and, uh, you know, Ed is all about the flow. That's that's the style, the rap style. And the, exactly. the lyrics definitely go along with that. Uh, by the way, speaking of Snow It, um, you did mention uh, I may or may not know about a song called Informer. It's possible... <laughs> possible i don't know if i should say this but a certain uh up-and-coming parody artist may or may not have a parody of that song in the second album um i would, I would love to hear that that if it ever would come so, out so would i um <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the plan if it can be if this up-and-coming parody artist can pull it off um anyway um <clears throat> but i have to say after that i am totally floored by this song and have no idea what the song is about you're probably right. Um, what when I was listening, what, what I, mine is way off, and you really have to squint to see it. But I kind of thought, okay, so you you've talked. So you about gotta this. get an eye lift after the squinting. What was that? You have to get an eye lift after the squinting. You have to get the eye lift after so, the squinting, right? That's a, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's why Greta got her eye lift. I I actually thought the whole song was about LASIK. Um, no, that's. <laughs> It's a song about going to get LASIK surgery and, and uh, no. Um, so we you probably talked about this, but All in Good Time has the distinction of being the album that was writ- that was put out after Steve Page left. Right. So this is the first non-Steve Page album. And I feel like there's some shaded references to Steve in this song. Okay. And, All right. Um, and I kind of get that with the, um, like, it's almost the first perspective, and I can go with the flow, build my note, then throw to snow, snow being a cocaine reference. Oh. Uh, before the show, stay low, play the dojo, tiptoe to and fro. Um, in the second one, kind of like, now, rewind, would you have a mind? Could we unwind? I'm fine. We can find a streamline, and, of course, recombine, intertwine. I, if I'm going to headline, trying to move all the behinds, and he says, line to line, which I feel like oh, there's, uh, yeah, so... I could be way wrong. Just have, I mean, I feel like there's kind of some thinly veiled references to um, some animosity towards Steve. I don't know. I, I know they've always kind of sold it as, hey, it was it was amiable. It was amicable. Amicable. We can't. We, neither of us can talk tonight. It was um, <laughs> it was amicable. But, I mean, I know that things definitely were trying with Steve towards the end. It's really hard uh, to have a bandmate who, you know, is a, is a, is a quintessential member of your band who's going through this and, you know, even though you want to be supportive and you want to be, uh, uh, humane about it, you know, it's definitely, it definitely wears down on a band. Well, I, and, th- uh, taking that like idea, I hadn't, hadn't done that, but now looking at that second verse, I, I could see maybe where that is. Like now rewind. What do you have in mind? We could unwind. I'm fine if we could find the streamline, recombined, intertwined. So, like, the band after he left did have to recombine. They had to change their right. sound and change the way they work together. And now they're intertwined. If I'm going to headline and I'm inclined to be moving all the behinds. So he's like, I want to get you guys rocking. I want you, like, to be enjoying the music. We're redesigned. We're redefined. <sighs> and we're going to make this work just to get you spellbind, just to kind of keep you kind of going and... and having fun out here well i can the see other, that the other side of that too is if you really ask someone who's not a diehard bare naked lady fa- bare naked ladies fans which voice they recognize um from the early days of bare naked ladies i feel like a lot of people would say steve's yeah um because you you hear more of him he's more prominent ed does a lot of solo stuff in the early albums 
um, but not necessarily the singles. Well, I mean, Pinch Me's on there, but um, you know, I feel like uh, uh, Steve's vocals and Steve's voice were a big part of the band. Um, it kind of makes me think back to like uh, going. I'm going way old school here, but Depeche Mode uh, was started mm-hmm. by Vin, was started by Vince Clark. Um, really prominent, brilliant uh, uh, synth uh, musician who also you know had done Yaz as well. When Vince Clark left Depeche Mode, there were a lot of reviews out there, a lot of critics saying, um, how's the band going to continue without Vince Clark? And I yeah. kind of feel like maybe that's a part of it, too. Like, they're, they're somewhere, I feel like, B&L, after they lost Steve, had to be thinking, are we ever going to be as popular, you right. know, without Steve? And I'm not in any way, you know, putting them down. I, I think they're well, just they... as brilliant and just as great. And, and But, you know, that had to be a thought that crossed their mind at some point. Well, they took several months trying to redefine who they are and re refine what they are and how they were going to work together and how they were going to make this work. Like right. they took a, a good break for a while to kind of figure that out. So, right, and I and I can see that the third verse then too. First of all, uh, one thing I really love about the third verse is um, I'm uh, it, this is again a total lyric brilliance. Up I'm hoping point, you're going to go for what I'm what I'm thinking you are. <laughs> you, you, I'm sure I am. Up to this point in the song, it's been a serious con- does, uh, sequence of just insane rhymes. The O rhymes in the first verse. The Ein and the Ein rhymes ry- in the second verse. The Literally, the first line of the third verse ends with orange. <laughs> nothing rhymes with orange. And, oh, really? <laughs> nothing rhymes with orange. <laughs> and I just think that was absolutely brilliant. I'm going to find as many rhymes for orange as I can. Here we go. Right, right. I'll flip the light. The light is turning orange. Or I'll flip the latest turning orange all right here we go where are you going where are <laughs> you going with this are like super inventive door hinge yeah. four inch like and right. it works and then he gets into the riffs the riffs the the snow drift gift rift uh you know i lift um yeah he ran you know, out of words at some point. yeah he, he ran out he ran out there's only so long you can go you know <laughs> but I, I feel like that's i feel like that's part of the joke he, yeah yeah he hit three rhymes like that's pretty good for for orange yeah, right. <laughs> I don't doing... get what he's trying to say there other than just, first of all, like, so I, I was like, orange, who calls the lights on the on the stoplights orange? And I went online and, like, there's a serious debate of whether it's yellow or orange. Like, people are up in arms about this. The traffic light. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, to the point that some people who are academics were even getting in and saying, actually... Visibly, it's more orange than it is yellow because we have to have it slightly orange in order to see it yellow because of the hue. And actually, yellow, orange, and brown are all the same color, just different brightnesses. And I'm like, holy moly. (laughs) This is like a live debate that I never realized. It's always been yellow to me. And I actually hadn't thought of that as being what they were saying there. And that makes that makes absolute sense now, especially after you told me about the dynamic controversy that's raging over whether or not a traffic signal is yellow or orange. But, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, what it, I mean, it, of course, they, part of the joke in the third verse is that they say that that line is obscure, but the whole verse is obscure. I mean, I, we're being oh, yeah. let in on, we're being let in on an inside joke. I feel like that's, you know, I, I feel like he really is. He's like, yeah, like he'll say the last line was obscure. The one about Greta God and I left like, but no, the whole verse is obscure, and he realizes that he's just trying to find rhymes for it. And then maybe there is something behind it, but I have not find that. Right, uh, right. And and the reference was obscure, maybe piss poor, but I had to take a little detour. I mean, you're putting this in a release song, 
and you're you're acknowledging that as part of your joke but you, as the audience you're kind of like okay well why you know on so many levels now i'm interested to hear from you and maybe maybe aaron maybe michelle kind of got this i all, all these years later still have not figured it out first of all what does four seconds have to do with it and why does what does he mean by i've been away four years in a day I don't quite get it because this album, there wasn't four years between albums. There wasn't four years between touring. Like there's no, like maybe he was just depressed and, and shut down and not there for four years. But I don't, I don't understand the reference and I don't understand the four seconds and the, the theme of it. Is it another, is it another play on words though? I mean, the, the song is four seconds as an F O U R seconds. But is it F O U R years or is it F O R years? Well, it's written F O U R years, but it could words. be him just playing around with words too. Right. I mean, is it? Yeah, I guess. I mean, it, it, if if it's F O U R, then I'm with you. I don't I don't get that either. I and mean, of course, I guess I don't really get if it's F O R either. But um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, because I, I don't know who that would be referencing to uh, referencing who's been away four years in a day in in any sense, or is this whole song about someone we don't don't know about? Another question for me to put on the list for when Ed comes on the show. That's also possible. Yeah. Like, it could be that he, like, it could be a John Lennon type thing, like, with the, for the benefit of Mr. Kite, like, and that could be another little reference there. Like, the for benefit of Mr. Kite, where John Lennon just saw this poster on the wall, and he's like, I am now going to write a song about what this poster says. Right. It could be Ed saw a poster, <laughs> and it's like... I'm going to write a song about this. Right. Uh, they Might Be Giants, Nightgown of the Solemn Moon, was about a an obscure a picture, a kid's picture that they saw, and wrote a whole song about it. So, yeah, I mean, it's definitely been done before that we're just uh, we're just willing participants in somebody else's, you know, um, fever dream, I guess. <laughs> so, I, <laughs> so, audience, I wish I had an answer for you. I know we tried to break down the songs and make sense of them. I, maybe Michelle or Aaron got something we didn't, but I just... I am flabbergasted about what this song really means, and I'm hoping, Ed, if you're listening, come on the show and explain to us what this song means. I thought you were going to call him in now. I, I thought, <laughs> literally I was expecting with that buildup, Ed was just going to be like, come in, all right, now let me explain the song to y'all. <laughs> I would love that. That would be, so this is where Ed, during his, during his concerts, will say, and I would love to invite Sarah McLaughlin out. I would really right, like yeah, to yeah, invite her right. out. She's not right. here tonight. She's at home. But I'd love to invite her out. Yeah. <laughs> That's me making a nice little reference to Ed. See, I, I can do it right. too. Yeah. I can do it, Ed. <laughs> <laughs> that tribute alone is going to be enough to pull him onto the show. And he's going to finally explain, first and foremost, if the light is orange or yellow. Yes. And we will know. And maybe, I don't know, while, you're, while he's there, he can explain the, the rest of the song. I'm sure that he would have a very like detailed reason why he thinks the light is orange. Right. I would I would definitely I would definitely laugh if, you know, he were to come on the show or or whatnot or be interviewed somewhere and, you know, with all our uh, our our rantings and our uh bemusings, he says, "Yeah, well, um actually there was this grocer at my local store and I wrote it about him." <laughs> and the light that kept shining was just yellow, orange in the background. It was the light above the register, and he was telling me some story about how you know he was uh, he had he had pink eye and uh, had to get an eye lift. 
I don't even know where I'm going with that. It, it would not going. surprise me if he was like driving. He came to a yellow light, orange light, and like that's what popped into his head. It was like he just was rhyming along. He knew he had to finish the song, and he's like, "Oh, flip the lights turn orange. Oh, I can do that. Uh, let's see what else can I come up with orange." Um, and they looked over. Here's a lady that looks like she's got her eye lift. Um, something about like. So he looks the other way, sees something about Germany. He's imagining she's wearing four-inch heels. It's the winter time, so there's snowdrifts everywhere. I can't come up with anything for the red shift drift. I, I don't know. Be- before I crossed the road, I, I had to count it off. So I was one Mississippi, two Mississippi, three Mississippi. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> four. Go ahead, because I think you're going to hit Which, on the same cool. I'm just curious, is the Mississippi even also relevant to the lyrics as well? Or is that just meant to reference the four uh the the uh obscure four that we keep hearing about in the title and then in the chorus well i i think that it's so growing up when i was told to count all kids count way too fast they never count seconds accurately but if they have to say mississippi they actually get a full second in in between each one so we were told growing up like when you're counting count one mississippi two mississippi three mississippi four and that way like you're going to get your timing in because you have to pause long enough so this could just be the biggest joke on us all though because i think that as bnl fans we've kind of been trained to to um there's never feels like there's a wasted lyric in a in a bnl song like every line is important every word is important so you know it could just be that we are now counting one Mississippi because I've heard that story too, and, and I grew up with that. Or does one Mississippi, two Mississippi, three Mississippi have some significance? Like, is it is it is it right. was this just a song that was like, okay, let's write let's write something that they are going to completely overanalyze, like a like a they might be giant song again, you know, something right. that has really no meaning, but they're going to analyze that the heck out of this thing. Well, and that's very Beatles esque too. Like John Lennon Which is, did that with some of his later songs, like. They love to overanalyze our songs. Okay, I'm going to throw this one at them just to see what they have, right. what happens yeah. to them. Yeah, right. <laughs> have fun with it, guys. <laughs> yeah, right. And he actually did. He enjoyed like reading people's attempts at analysis after he wrote these obscure songs that had absolutely nothing to do with anything. <laughs> right. And I, I don't think I could do that. I don't think I have that kind of restraint. I mean, I mean, now granted, so far what I've done lyrically has been uh, parodies, and I and I am doing some originals on the second album, but they're straightforward. It's comedy music. What you see, what you hear is what you get. So you yeah. know that. I think if I were to write, and, and if you inter, if I'm on a podcast or, um, you know, doing an interview or just talking to someone, I'm gonna, you know, if you let me, I'll talk for three hours about why I wrote a song, why I wrote this line, <laughs> what. You know, what I was wearing the day I recorded it, I will go on forever. I don't think I could have the restraint where I'd be like, yeah, you know, whatever you get, you know, come to your own conclusion as to why I did that. You know, exactly. (laughs) I don't have that in me. (laughs) At this point, they've written almost two over 200 songs. So I'm sure at this point they're like, you know what, let's just have fun with the audience at this point. We'll throw even a little reference that we're having fun with them on there. But let's have fun with them. (laughs) Right. All right, now you could tell me if I'm way off on this. Once again, I am not musically trained, but something feels off with that last set of One Mississippis. And I've listened to it a bunch of times, and tell me if I'm wrong on this. It sounds like when Tyler's saying One Mississippi, he waits a, I don't know what the right, a bar. Right. And then on the second to Mississippi, he actually holds off to the second beat of the bar. I measure, yeah. Waits another bar, 
On the three Mississippi, he waits till the third beat. And then on the four, he just like, and then hits the four right on the beginning of the, on the, on the one beat for Mississippi four. One Mississippi. So he doesn't wait till the end of it. He just hits it right at the very beginning beat of the the next bar. Okay, you have me. Uh, you have me curious now. I mean, there's a definite deliberate pause in it. Is it going to be weird if I play it right now? No, go ahead. I can always edit. it. <laughs> <laughs> because this one has been like this has been on my, my mind since I started the podcast. So, yeah. Of like, I need a real musician to break down if I'm wrong about this. I don't know if I call myself a real musician. I... Well, you've That's written why more I music hire people to do that part of it. <laughs> and you understand music a lot more than I do. <laughs> I pay, I I pay people to do the music. <laughs> no, it has the same. Uh, that has the same spacing between. He's hitting on the same spacing. Okay. It it, it, it is the same spacing. It's, okay. Uh, it's yeah. It's it. It feels to me to be like uh, a measure and a half between them. Um, and someone's gonna be listening to this and go, "No, he's wrong." And I'm, I'm like, "That's okay." But. <laughs> Well, I could just um, I, see Tyler doing like something like that. He's the drummer. Like I could see him. Like, yeah. let's play with the beat on this one a little bit. Oh, oh, definitely. Um, I mean, from my count, it's it's the same and it feels the same. Uh, uh um, between the two, I, I don't know what exactly the spacing is or significa is, uh, signifies, but yeah, I'll um, have to count it out the next time I'm listening to it. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we can we 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 can be corrected on this. I well, one of us will be corrected here, but um. No, but it definitely catches you off guard. <laughs> I will let you be correct on this one unless Aaron corrects me. The ending is rather interesting. When uh, Ed sings one Mississippi on the first beat of the measure he's in, and then sings two Mississippi right around the second beat in the next repetition, it's then closer to the fourth beat for three Mississippi. It struck me as odd, and I would have expected them to land directly on you know the beats one, two, and three. But perhaps that's initially how they did it, and then they slid the audio around in their audio editing software and made it a little more like a triplet stretch across measures. Uh, Just to be contrarian or to make music nerds like me scratch our heads. Ed, I would love to ask you about this. We know you listen. Please come on the show. I I have no problem being wrong. It's... But yeah, it definitely is uh, unique that after, you know, and I, and I like a song that switches it up on you or mixes it up. I mean, if you listen to my Plug Plug album, um, you'll notice the one thing, and I like this about comedy music, I rarely ever repeat a chorus. Uh, you know, if I do a, a parody for a song, I'm going to do a chorus. I rarely ever do the same chorus. That works in, in regular songs and pop music, rock music, because you want people to sing along. I kind of want to always be keep people guessing and i like the fact that at the end of this one he does do that one mississippi and then there's that measure and a half i think break before he does two mississippi right it's not on that same like it might be no it's 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 in between but it's it's not syncopated oh it's yeah it's definitely syncopated that's true so it's interesting that he's doing that he's not like one mississippi two mississippi yeah three oh yeah He's, it's deliberate, yeah. Yeah, which is cool. Like I'm like I've never yeah, heard anyone yeah. play around with that. That's fun. Yeah, he's he's off the beat coming back in there. And I think that's another thing that I re- so I really enjoy this song, and I think it's just it, it's not just an earworm. It's a really fun song to listen to. Um, I've tried to look up, but on this album in the liner notes, they don't individuate which song has which instruments being played, um, which. Really frustrates me from doing this podcast no. standpoint. Yeah, I, 
<laughs> right. I, I tried to do the same thing too, and I you, you can't find anything in this song. Watching the live uh, version of this, Ed just plays the guitar, but it doesn't sound the same as the recorded version. I almost want to say he's playing something like a sitar or or a mandolin or something on this. It doesn't sound like he's playing a guitar, even the way he's playing. Right. It. Right. He's playing some kind of interesting instrument that they don't list in the liner notes. <laughs> Either that or he's playing something really cool with that guitar. Like he's doing something amazing. Yeah, it does appear like, yeah, in the studio version, it, it looks and sounds like on the Persuasion version, he's uh, doing electric, but... Oh, maybe he's not. doing a regular guitar or, or some sort like it's a regular it's a regular yeah it's a regular guitar in the persuasions one but it doesn't have the same sound to it like no it's it doesn't. Not... no 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 and yeah. i'm like he's he's doing something different on the recorded version that we never get let in on and this is right. also a song that that ian lafave also plays the guitar on as well so maybe it's actually ian's influence in there or his second guitar in there that's making the the audiological difference on the song yeah because there's definitely a a unique breakdown of uh sounds going on there i mean some of it could be a a certain level of keyboard from kevin but um you know i don't think so i think they're right they're playing something um like you said a sitar there's also a weird video that someone made oh i didn't see that did you you see the video that someone yeah apparently someone made a fan video for the song um, oh, I have to look that which up. Is, yeah, it's yeah, it's it's kind of funny. It's a, like uh, people in an office setting. Um, oh, so yes, I did have that. So yeah. here's the interesting thing about that. I was actually going to have that in the appearances section because it's, but it's not really an appearance either. So MWSU, Missouri Western State University, their cinema department had that, a contest back in 2011 where. Oh, okay. The, Students actually had to make videos based on this song or using this song as the skeleton of the video. Right. So the one that you're referencing, I think, is the one that got first place out of this contest that they had. It was directed by Aaron Williams and produced by Jeff Meyer. Where do you Um, find this stuff out? Holy cow. (laughs) I do a lot of research. I I love this show. Um, It's... It's, so it's basically them playing office hide and seek or tag or something along that line. Right. Um, yeah. It's I could only find two of the videos, unfortunately. Mm. I actually wrote to them saying, can you send me all five? That would be wonderful. But they haven't written back to me yet. Um, right. The other one is called It's From the Dr- It Came From the Drain uh, about this little hairball. And it's a weird story that I could not pick up on without words. So... Um, it's definitely independent. <laughs> I will be putting them in the liner notes this week because it's kind of interesting to go and watch them, but it's a lot of fun. Like the, it, is, it is a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah, that hide, that hide and seek tag one is a lot of fun to watch. <laughs> the lip syncing they use for the one Mississippi, two Mississippi count off is, yes. is really, really cool. Yeah. <laughs> I really love that a lot. I'm trying to see if there are any other. Do you have any other notes on this song? Uh, let me see what I've got here. I think we already talked While you're about looking, the, 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 um, I will be posting the, the lyrics online for our, on this week on our liner notes because the lyrics that are online are mostly wrong. Um, it's interesting why they're so wrong because the album actually has the lyrics in the liner notes. Like, I don't know why people didn't translate them right. correctly. Right. 
But <laughs> I will post them. So if you really want to see them, go to our website, go to our Facebook page. You can get them that way. <laughs> That'll work. So, I, by the way, in, in the break, what you were doing, and I did check my notes, and uh, all I have left is the word orange written 360 times. <laughs> no rhymes with it, though. So, apparently, th- apparently that stuck out with me, that that orange. So, that's that's all I got. <laughs> no, I think that's one of the most fun parts of the song. When The, the first time that I played it, I'm like, no, they're not going, oh, my goodness. They d- wow, he's going for it. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> So uh, not, but it's, this is just a fun classic song. Ed. It's a classic Ed. It really is a fun song. Given what we've talked about today, my rating for this week is going to be oranges. How many oranges do you give this song? I knew you were going to do that. <laughs> I saw that coming. Uh, totally saw that coming. Should I gun do- with door hinges instead? <laughs> oh, am, am, do you, you want my you want mine first? Yes, you want I will first? have you start, and then I because I'm still trying to figure it out because I love this song, but I can't quite place it. How do, how do you rate this? I mean, the last time I was on, we talked about falling. And, you know, that was a very clear um, ranking, I think, for both of us on that oh, one. Oh, yeah. I, like I said, I love the lyrics. Um, I, I think the lyrics are brilliant uh, The rhyme, in, in the sense of the rhyme scheme, except they're obscure. They're, they seem nonsensical. I'm sure there's a meaning behind it. Musically, I love what they did. Uh, the fact that Tyler takes such a, a vocal role, I think, is is very cool, you know, because up to that point, he hadn't done a whole lot the other band members had, like on the Christmas album and, and that kind of thing. But but that said, I, I think I also, I, if I'm going to interpret a song, I want to be able to pull some kind of meaning out of it to uh, attach to. So, fun song, not really clear on the meaning, uh, love the lyrics. So, I'm going to give this one three and a half oranges yeah, or oranges. traffic lights. Nice. Or traffic lights. Or traffic, or traffic lights. lights. Well, whichever, or whichever you prefer. But yeah, three and a half. How about orange traffic lights? Orange traffic lights. We can do that. All right. There we go. Uh, although they're clearly <laughs> yellow. but Oh! Oh, I just stirred Ed, the pot on that Ed, one. Ed, brought the boat. it. You have to come on and disagree with him. <laughs> People are screaming now at their, t- their, their computer screams. Screams? If they're screams. screaming at their TVs, I want to know why. <laughs> it's it's been a long day. My my daughter just went to kindergarten for her first day ever, so it's Aww. been a long day. <laughs> Congratulations yeah. to her. That's yes. a big first day for. A parent, it was though. a big it was a big step. She was standing at the bus stop and and uh, she was all happy. She was, things were going well, and she goes, "All right, so which one of you are coming along with me?" Um, <laughs> we're we're not. Thought we thought thought we covered this in the pregame, but uh, you know, in the yikes, yeah, so. So yeah, it's been it's been a long week. But <laughs> I would give this a higher rating if I knew what the lyrics meant. Right. Um and and okay. it like made sense to me and I enjoyed it. But I don't know what they may, meant ugh, mean, but I still absolutely love this song. Like I really enjoy it. I listen to it every time. It's on my on my iPod going to and from work. Like it'll come on randomly and I'd just be like, "Okay, I can't, I got to listen to this until it's done and then I can get out of the car." But it's not my favorite BNL song in the world. It's it's not definitely not typically them. But it, in almost in many ways, if it had Steve in the background, would definitely be like a Gordon type song. Right. Yeah. Um, and so for me, like that raises it a little bit because it has their like we're gonna experiment this with this a little bit and just have fun. Uh, we're going back to our roots a little. So for me, that brings it up to a four. Okay. I can see that. I can see what you say about it being uh, uh, raised if Steve was on it, because that would add a new dynamic to it. Oh, yeah. 
he would bring something interesting to it and his voice would just meld with Ed's and it would just be beautiful. Maybe in another 10 years when they finally patch things over, I'll do it live together. Oh, I would love to hear them do this live <laughs> together. Yeah. So let's throw it over. Aaron, Michelle, what do you think about this song? My friend Luke once told me that nothing rhymes with orange and I thought for a moment and then said, door hinge. <laughs> so the fact that Ed made this rhyme as well in this song makes me feel vindicated. It's a good song. It's an interesting song. Uh, it's got some good energy to it. It kind of reminds me of Bag of Bones, which I also liked. Uh, didn't love, but liked quite a bit. And I would rate this quite the same. I would give Four Seconds a very hearty 3.5 out of 5 orange traffic lights and door hinges. Hey, this is Michelle, and I'm here with my thoughts on Four Seconds. Uh, first, I'll talk about the album version, and then I'll talk about the version that they do with the Persuasions. I like the song. It's interesting. It's got a little bit of a different flavor or feeling to it than what I would normally expect to get from the Bare Naked Ladies, but I really like it. Um, the album version, the intro sounds to me like it would be the background music to a montage in Ocean's Eleven. You know, it's got that sort of up to no good sort of a feeling to it. But the song itself is really interesting and I like how they play with time a little bit in the song. But when they sing with the persuasions, I really think I get more from that version. The vocals have this haunted depth to them that is just gorgeous to listen to. Listen to. And uh, my note was quote unquote haunted gospel. And the, the version that they did with the persuasions actually felt like something you would hear in the movie Moulin Rouge. That's what kept coming up for me. Um, so I thought the song was really interesting. It's got a little different feel to it, but it's got a nice sense of adventure that I really love and I'd love to hear more from them. Um, so I give the song a four. All right. Well, They're so quiet tonight. <laughs> Jeez, I didn't even hear them. They're very quiet. I'm going to have to bump up their audio. I'm Man. starting to think Aaron and Michelle are allergic to me. <laughs> you must feel like like you're being persecuted. You must be <laughs> feel like you, you're like always running away from it. Like, like you're a fox on the run. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh... Thank you for that segue. I was like, I've been trying to figure out tonight like where I was going with this, but that worked. That was pretty impressive. I, I, I was not I had no idea where I was going with that one. So join us right. next week when we discuss the song Fox on the Run. Flat Mississippi to Mississippi. Three Mississippi. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.